0: I'm glad you joined us today for the conclusion of our series on the problem of evil in the world. You may recall that we have been examining this issue from a biblical perspective. There are many philosophers of the world that have tried to deal with it, and many atheists who question the existence of God because of the presence of evil in the world. But as Christians, we need to understand what the Bible says about the origin and existence of sin and evil. We've already seen that God is not the author of evil, and today we bring this message to a conclusion by examining the great hope that we have about the elimination of evil from this world one day. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
1: Sweet to rejoice in
0: my we hope that when
1: my chains shall
0: What does it mean, though, to be dead in trespasses and in sins? Well, Ephesians talks about that Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2. You know the verses very well, I'm sure. In the first verse of Ephesians 2, you hath he quickened. In other words, you have been made alive, but you were something else. What were you? You were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, you were physically alive, you were walking around breathing eating expending energy you were talking you were thinking you were physically alive but you were spiritually dead you know why you were spiritually dead oh well god just made me that way no adam made you that way (laughs) adam made you that way in the garden and you are adam you know what it says that adam did adam begat a a son in his likeness (laughs) and after his you know what brother rich used to say we're adam multiplied brother mackey we're adam multiplied If you think Adam was bad, we're ten times worse or a million times worse. It's not getting better and better. We're getting worse and worse, you see. He says, you were dead in trespasses and sins. What does that mean? Well, in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. This world is not your friend. This world is everything that's in the world. The lust of the eyes and the lust of of, of the flesh and the pride of life is not of God. But that's how you walked when you were dead in trespasses and sins. That's how I walked. According to the prince of the power of the air. And reckon who that is. Prince of the power of the air? Is that some physical being? It's the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know who that sounds a lot like? Sounds a lot like Satan, doesn't it? That's exactly who the prince of the power of the air is among whom also we all had our conversation or lifestyle. That word conversation means more than just our speech, although our speech really does reflect our lifestyle, doesn't it? Among whom we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Many today will tell us that we have to exercise the mind to make a choice to become spiritual. Well, beloved, what I read here is that when we're dead spiritually, we are exercising the choices of the mind, but they are the lusts of the flesh and the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That's where we were spiritually. 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us that the natural man, the one who's not been born again, receives not the things of the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but I believe the gospel message is one of the greatest things of the Spirit of God that there's ever been. The gospel message, the truth of salvation by grace, that's, that gospel message is, of the, is a thing of the Spirit of God. It's not something made up by man, is it? It's, it's a thing of the Spirit of God. But guess what? The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. That includes the gospel message. For they, why? For they are foolishness unto him. Doesn't that explain why so many reject the gospel out there? So many that are even children of God that are walking in the flesh. <laughs> but those that aren't children of God or those that haven't been born again. They, they say that's a bunch of foolishness. For they are foolishness unto them. Neither can he know them. Neither can he know them. For they are spiritually discerned. That implies the first implies an exercise of the will, but the other implies the inability to exercise the will, doesn't it? He can't know them. Why? Because he's dead in trespasses and in sins, and these things are spiritually discerned. <laughs> well, can't I? What, 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 what part does my, my will play? This morning I said, hey, we still got free will. We're free to walk and exercise our will according to our nature, right? We read about in John chapter 5 and verse 40 about some people that did that. He looked at those Pharisees and he said, Ye will not come unto me, then you might have eternal life. Some say that's an invitation. Beloved, that's not an invitation. That's an indictment. That's an indictment of the will of man in the flesh, the will of man without God, the will of man in the natural state before he's been born again. Then he tells us in John 6, 44, no man can come unto me except, praise God, Brother Mackey, for the except, except the Father which has sent me draw him. Did you know that no man can, not only will you not come to him, you cannot come to him. See, that's what it means to be spiritually dead. That's what happened when Adam fell. When Adam exercised his free will to do that which God said don't do, God imposed then the consequence on him that he promised that he would impose, and that is death. In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I believe in the day he ate thereof, he did die. Now, there was another. there was another message preached on that same day, or not long thereafter, I should say. That that message was, Thou shalt not surely die. That's found preached by the serpent. You know, there's only ever been two messages preached throughout the history of time. In every religion, wherever it may be, every philosophy, no matter what it is, it's either, Thou shalt surely die, and he did in Adam, or Thou shalt not surely die. Beloved, I'm going to go with the one God preached. I'm going to go with the one that God told Adam. So, inner evil. We'll not turn there and read it, but read the 7th and 8th chapters of Romans sometime. 8th chapter particularly there, he says, The whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Why is this whole world seemingly groaning? It seems like things are stepping up, doesn't it? We've had the biggest hurricane season we've ever had. They got, they got so far through the tropical storms and hurricanes that they had to start over. You know, they name them A to Z, and now they had to start over, and they just went to the Greek alphabet, alpha, uh, alpha, beta, gamma, delta. You know, they just started going through the Greek alphabet. Isn't that something that this is one? I don't remember that happening. You're seeing all kinds of. Uh, famines and earthquakes. But you know what's happening? This old world is winding down. This old world is not revving up. <laughs> the world is not getting better and better. Okay. So I hope we've established. And, I, and I'm not done yet. I'm just about done. I'm not done yet. I hope we've established that evil, both moral and natural evil, sin and the calamities we see in this world did not come from God. They came from the devil and man. That's where they came from. So God is not the author of sin. He's not the author or creator of evil. Or is he? (laughs) Well, you know the verse I'm talking about, don't you? Turn with me over to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse seven. And we'll just go ahead and get that one out of the way. There. Because in the last of the time we have left, I want to deal with about three problems that we have that I believe the Scripture resolves. But I want, us to, I want us to look at them so you'll know how to answer these questions. Now listen to Isaiah 45 and verse 7. Remember, we've just said God did not create evil. Right? Listen to this. I am the Lord. I'm sorry. Verse 7. I form the light. And create darkness, I make peace and create evil. So, what's he talking about here? Wait a minute, we just said he didn't create evil. What's he talking about? Well, let me me remind you of the overriding principle of the study of God's Word context is everything. Context, context, context. Always look and see what he's talking about in the context. Because you see here, uh, the word there is the same word, but that word that's translated evil throughout the King James Bible, uh, it's mostly always the same Hebrew word, but it not only can refer to moral evil, which is sin, it can refer to natural evil, which are the calamities of this world. And we've already said some things about that that we'll, we'll repeat in a minute. So look at the context here, and, and, and I I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I encourage you to read this whole section, not just chapter 45. But notice the beginning, we'll just begin reading in verse 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. Boy, that's a message right there. This is, this is a man who's not alive yet. This is a man who's coming on the scene some 140, I believe, years from now. And Isaiah is already talking about him. Isn't that amazing how God is able to give this kind of stuff to His this kind of pre-knowledge to his people he said i'm saying this he said thus saith the lord to his anointed to cyrus whose right hand i have holding to subdue nations before him i will loose the loins of kings to open before him before him the two-leaved gates and the gates shall not be shut i will go before thee and make the crooked places straight i will break in pieces the gates of breath notice what all god is doing to for cyrus and he's he's talking about a time when he's going to restore israel back to the, to the nation and the place, the geographical nation where they are now. He says in verse 4, for Jacob, my servant's sake, in Israel, mine elect, I have called thee by thy name. He's, now, why is it though? Okay, so Cyrus, some 140 years from now, so sometime over a century in the future, Cyrus is going to have to restore Israel. Israel's not been taken captive. Israel's right with Judah. You know, there's a northern kingdom called Ephraim or Israel, and there's a southern kingdom called Judah. They're right where they've always been. What is he talking about? He's saying, Cyrus, you're going to have to come restore them. And I can see these these Israelites scratching their heads saying, we're not gone. What's, What's the deal? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. God is talking about the punishment that he is going to bring upon his people for their Wickedness, their uh, backsliding. All, that, that's mostly what the book of Isaiah is about. It's talking about the, the wickedness of his own people now. We're not talking about the reprobate heathen out there. We're talking about the people of God. And he, and he begins to tell them in verse 5 you need to remember who I am. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. You remember how he started this whole book of Isaiah. He said, "The ox knoweth his master, and the ass his master's crib, but my people does not know. They don't know. The dumb animals of the world know where they belong, but my own people have forgotten who their owner is." And he said that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I the Lord do all these things. He goes on to say, Drop down ye heavens from above, let the skies pour down righteousness, let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I the Lord have created it. Now look what the problem is. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the pot shard strive with the pot shards of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth fashioneth it, What makest thou? Or thy work, he hath no hands. Woe to him that saith to his father, What begettest thou? Or to the woman, What hast thou brought forth? In other words, he's talking to a people that are being rebellious. He's talking to a people in the context of judgment. And what we've said earlier today, there are times when God has used the calamities of this world to judge his people, to chasten his people. That's what he's talking about here. He doesn't mean I created Adam to have him come in here into the garden and sin. He didn't, he didn't mean by this I'm the author of sin. He doesn't even mean that I'm the reason all these calamities are on this earth, all this natural evil. No, it's here. It's here because of Adam. And in the sense of this rewarding of evil and blessing of good, he says, I'm, I'm going to use some of these things. Some of this stuff's coming from me. Now, there's a reason today we can't look down to New Orleans, for example, and say, uh, oh, well, Katrina was a judgment on New Orleans. We don't know that. We don't know that. If God tells me that, I'll tell you, but he had not told me that, okay? <laughs> That's how we knew these, judgments were, judgment, these things were judgments on the people of God because God told us in his word. But here's my point. is that, the point that When he says, I create evil, that doesn't mean he's causing all these things to happen. It doesn't mean he's the origin of it. That is not what that's talking about. Okay, second, second verse, problem problem verse. Not, not a problem for God and not a problem in, 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 the, in the Bible, but a problem for us sometimes. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Oh, so you mean that Adam sinning in the garden worked for my good? No, I'll tell you emphatically, Adam sinning in the garden worked against the law of God. It worked against God's will, and it works against your good. It's the very reason you have problems in life. The sin you commit, oh, God will take it and work it for good. i, I, I never forget, I was, more than once, but one I remember in particular, I was standing there at the judge's bench in Fayette, and a, a gentleman beside me in shackles, pleading guilty to go to prison for 20 or 25 years, and he said, I know I'm here for a reason. And I didn't take the opportunity, brother, buddy. I should have. I started to look at him and say, yeah, you're here for a reason because <laughs> of the stupid choices you've made in your life. That's the reason, okay? It wasn't because God put him there, you see. It wasn't because God made that to happen. God didn't cause all these things. He says all things work together for good. Are you telling me that, uh, that, that all of the sin in this world works with the righteousness of God? Are you telling me that in your own life, think about your own life and the strife you have in your body between your old nature and your new nature, they're working together? Mine are not working together, beloved. My old man is working against my new man. They're not striving together. They're striving against each other. He tells us, Paul tells us about a warfare inside. When you see two sides go to war, they're not working together, are they? <laughs> You have some allies maybe over here that are doing some things together. But, you know, the allies and the Axis in World War II weren't working together. Thousands upon thousands of young men and women died because they were working against each other. Well, I won't keep going down that road. I'll just say this. Remember what I said, context is everything. And one of the things you always have to remember when you see a verse of of the Scriptures pulled out of context, And we see this so often with this verse and many others, put up on a placard somewhere, or on a billboard somewhere, or or put on a uh, on a bumper sticker somewhere. The Romans eight twenty eight. You know what? I, I want to see a bumper sticker one day that says Romans eight and twenty nine. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. Okay, there's one thing working. Then he also uh, justified whom he justified. Then he also glorified. I left one out. Who Whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Those things work together now, beloved. Now you've got the context. Now you understand what he's saying. God is not creating evil and sending it down here he's not creating cancer and sending it into your body to make you better somehow uh beloved the reason you get cancer the reason i get parkinson's or diabetes or whatever it may be is because of the genetic makeup that adam bequeathed unto me i am adam multiplied you see all these things happen because of sometimes the dumb choices i make but it's not working for my good Praise God, though, he's overruling it for my good. What is working for my good, Brother Mackie, is that no matter how I mess it up here, no matter how bad things get here, he is foreknown and predestinated and called and justified and will one day glorify me. That's what that context is. Last thing. <clears throat> one of the things that will be raised, and I'll try to make this quick, one of the things that's often raised is that, well, I look around me, preacher, and it looks like people are getting away with doing bad things. Evil often goes unpunished on earth. How could God put up with that? How could God put up with that? I, had a, I was talking with one of our old district judges up in Lamar County who served many years. He's retired now. Judge Gosa. He and I were talking one day and he said a lady asked him one time, said, Judge, how can you stand? How can you stand it? when the guilty um, go free. And that's happened to me. I, you know, I, As you know, I made a living for many years trying to punish the wicked, punish the guilty. And I had several times, one in particular that I'll never forget. It always haunts me of a case I lost at jury trial, that I'm certain the man was guilty, but 12 jurors set him free. How can you stand that? How can you stand it? Looks to me like... God needs to come down here and set it straight. That, that's the way people think. Sometimes that's the way I think. Even Job doesn't really answer the question. Because, you know, the latter end of Job was better than his first, the first, you know, part of his life. But he still lost all those children. How can you, how can you say, oh, well, I've had another one now and he'll, he'll replace the ones I lost. It doesn't work that way. Seems like there was a lot of injustice in Job's life as far as the scales balancing. Well, here's what we need to remember, beloved. Our lives are not bookended by birth on the one hand and death on the other. You see, justice doesn't start to add up when we're born, and the final tally comes down on the day we die. Too many people believe that, but that's not the way it works. There are are evils, there there is wickedness that goes unpunished in this life. But see, God doesn't work that way at all. God is not limited by the bookends of birth and death. Praise God for that. Do you understand that there's coming a day, and Revelation describes it as well as Anywhere in the scripture you can find it. Chapter 20. When there is a great white throne. Verse. Um, boy, it's hard to. <clears throat> let's just say this. Let's just, let's just encourage you to read that chapter sometime. And, and I'll say this. That there's a point in that chapter where the devil is loosed upon the earth. It appears. Uh, that he is wreaking havoc and, and in verse nine, the, the, the minions of Satan, the, the armies of Satan, went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. Oh what a, what a terrible thing it is! Don't we, don't we see so many of God's saintly people out there, those that we know in our hearts are children of God, and are trying to live godly in this present evil world. And it seems they're beset on all sides by problems, by sicknesses, by disasters, by tragedies, by, by issues within their family, problems at their work. There, there are some, even in this day and age, who are dying martyrs' deaths. It doesn't seem right that Stephen just told the truth and they stoned him to death. What a horrible way to die. Next to crucifixion, I would think that would be the most awful way to die. Probably some of his friends and neighbors were in that crowd casting those stones at him and those blunt stones uh, hitting him in the face and the head and the body and breaking his bones. It wasn't a quick death. It wasn't like the guillotine where it's just one split second and then then you're gone. It was a slow and a painful death, just like crucifixion. It doesn't seem right that he had to go through that. But you know what happened with Stephen? Stephen's life did not end with death. He was laying there. He was being put upon. He was being gnashed upon with their teeth. He was being having stones cast at him and in joy he looked up into heaven and God opened up the heavens and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father on high. And you know what that tells me that that terrible unjust act that Paul the apostle who wasn't Paul the apostle at the time participated in was not the bookend of his life. <laughs> See, if you add it up from birth to death, a lot of times it don't work out. A lot of times it doesn't work out. But there's coming a de- the devil, it says, in his meanings were compassing about the, the beloved city. But notice what happened in fire. <laughs> came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. That's the shortest battle in the history of the world, isn't it? Uh, they, were gonna, they were gathering up all their forces. They're going there to take the beloved city and just boom, like that, God poured out the fire from heaven. And the devil that deceived them, boy, doesn't he deserve to be, doesn't he deserve to be cast down? Listen, it's coming one day. The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I want to tell you, beloved, I've seen some things in my career. I've read about some things and and since I've been on the bench down in Montgomery, I've seen situations that would raise the hair on the back of your necks because it does it on mine. It's horrible situations of child abuse, child murder. There are things that are occurring in this world that deserve to be punished and and certainly the person that did them deserves to be punished, but oh, that devil deserves it even more because he's the one behind it. One day, he's going to be tormented forever and ever in the lake of fire. Praise God for that day. You know, the wrath of God is as praiseworthy as the mercy of God because God is going to set things right one day. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. They couldn't hide anywhere. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You see, every single wicked act is going to be set right one day. Now, let me, let me just sort of bring this to a close. By saying this, I recognize that what I preach to you this morning and this evening does not, comp- you know, it's not going to satisfy the philosophers of this world. They're still going to have these arguments about the, the non-existence of God. But what I want you and I to be able to do, maybe they still will take, the, take us to task for some of these things, but at least let's get it right on our part. Let's be sure we present to them the real God, the true God, not some, not some figment of their imagination. Let's not let them direct the narrative. Let's, let's make sure we know who our God is and how he deals with evil. Because you see, what he does, God is at odds with evil in every way that God can be at odds with evil. God is... The enemy of sin, which may terrify us, because we understand that we're sinners, but praise God, even as He is the great enemy of sin, He is the great friend of sinners. Oh, that's our God. That's our God. God suffers evil. He doesn't create it. He doesn't cause it. He suffers it. He often avenges it here. We see that happen from time to time, but ultimately... He will eliminate it. Because John says in chapter 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Every good thing that you can think about the Garden of Eden will be encompassed in this new city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and more and more. There won't be a tree of the knowledge of good and evil there. There'll only be the tree of life. And he says, I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Have you wept over the things that you see around you in this life? Have you been frustrated by the injustices that you have experienced or that you've seen around you in this world? Have you been terrified and anxious about the uncertainty of this world? Listen to me, beloved. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. See, that's our God. He doesn't tolerate sin. He doesn't work with sin. He didn't create sin. One day he will judge sin. And praise God for every single one of his children, he has judged sin in the person and work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day for those children, God will wipe away their tears. He will clean up all this mess. He will set all things right, and he will come back to get it. You know that decaying body we talked about? Don't be grossed out by that. Don't be worried about it. Wherever that body is, if it's a child of God, one day that old decaying body is going to be brought back together, and it's not going to be the same old body. It's going to be a glorified body. I was, I was laughing today, we had a little laugh out in the cemetery at the funeral uh, uh, with my uncle. We uh, were talking about the vaults that were, are out here that we require to be put in our cemetery even today. And there was a time, you know, when they first started selling those that people didn't want them. People were scared of them. You know why? They said, you know, I don't want to be left behind on the resurrection morning. I'm afraid I won't be able to get out of the vault. I'll tell you, beloved, it's not going to be a vault can hold you here. There's not going to be a grave can keep you down. I don't care if you're buried in the depths of the deepest parts of the ocean in the Marianas Trench. You may have, This child of God may have been one who passed away on an ocean voyage hundreds of years ago and their body cast into the sea and, and, and it may be down there somewhere, beloved. The Lord knows where it is and he's going to bring it back out because he going to set all things right praise god thank you for your kind attention tonight thank you for joining us today on the zion primitive baptist church podcast i hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth join us again tomorrow for another message of god's sovereign grace If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com.